My name is Jafar Iqbal, and this is Critically Speaking, difficult conversations about the arts and culture in Wales. Whether this is the first time you've tuned in or you've heard every single episode, welcome to the podcast and thank you for giving me a little bit of your time. Now, completely by accident, the podcast has coincided with some historic events, and this is no different. As I record this, the UK officially left the EU two days ago, and no matter what side of the debate you fall on, it can't be overstated just how life-changing a moment this will be. We don't know a lot about how Brexit is going to affect Wales, and we know even less about how it will affect the arts in Wales, which makes it a scary time. But arts and artists have always prevailed in the face of adversity, and I hope that stays the same. Now, this episode of the podcast was recorded back in July 2019 at the home of our guest, Busy Day. It was an interesting time to talk to her because she had recently left the Other Room Theatre, which she co-founded, and begun working at Film Cymru. It was a transitional period for Busy, but it also felt like Wells was in transition, and it's astonishing to see how much the cultural landscape has changed since that conversation in the summer. However, what really drew me to Busy as someone to have on the podcast was the openness with which she discussed her own health and well-being. Burnout is something many of us deal with in our lives, but we don't really talk about it. This was an opportunity to change that, and thanks to Busy's honesty and willingness to share her experiences, we were able to do so. So let's listen, shall we? Welcome to episode 6 of Critically Speaking. You need to be vulnerable. Okay. I think you need vulnerability. I think you need to be able to have the hard discussions. And I think you need to be honest. And I think you need to be willing to be brave and have courage and get things wrong. And I think that that requires vulnerability. The amount of conversations that I've had where people have said that those things are not in Wales. Really? That the bravery is not there and... The courage isn't there and even the vulnerability is not there. Do you, do you not agree with that? No, I don't. Really? <laughs> Who has said this to you? Oh, <laughs> yeah, listen to the podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. No, I, t- I 100% disagree. You can't, surely you can't be in the arts or an artist without being vulnerable and without being brave and courageous. Like, all of these people are doing such, like, incredible things. Like, it's an idea. You know, people have ideas and then they actually make them happen and that takes courage. But do you th- do you not think people are being brave in spite of what the arts throws at them rather than because of the opportunities that the arts gives them? I don't think it's about arts giving people opportunities. I think it's about... Artists are driven to create those opportunities for themselves. I really believe that. And I like and I know that the arts is difficult and it's a tough industry and there are hard things and you know, general living is really hard in theatre and the arts overall. But there's a resilience there because you can't not create. Does that make sense? I feel like I've just kind of reeled a load of words off that probably don't make much sense, but they make sense to me. (laughs) Who do you look at and go, that person is doing brave things? Oh, God, that's that's hard. That's putting me on the spot. (laughs) I mean, in all honesty, Jafar, everyone that I meet that is working and doing in the arts, everyone, I I can't really single any one person out. You know, from from the the people that are working and getting the funded work, 
people that are working in organisations, you know, young people that are coming through scratch nights, these are all brave and pioneering people who are trying things often for the first time and often without knowing what the result's going to be or how they're going to be perceived or how the work is going to be received or, you know, any of that stuff. I think it just takes balls to to even be in this industry. The hardest thing about being in the arts is being in the arts. When you had those people coming through the doors, like young people, we're talking about the other room right now, so mm-hmm. you, you did like the, the youth festival event a few times. What advice do you give them? Are you part of that? Do you sit down with them and tell them about the arts? It always used to be a bit of, like caused me a bit of consternation because I'd sit in, we'd offer masterclasses and various things and we would share our own experiences and we'd chat to anyone that wanted to chat about anything about projects or life or how do you do this or how do you do that and I would often get messages afterwards from um, particularly from people from the Young Artist Festival saying well I really I really just I really want a sustainable career like you know I'm an actor but I just like how do I make my career sustainable how do I keep doing it in Wales and actually what they were always asking me really was how do I act and only act and there is no answer to that most actors don't act and only act it's a certain point in your career if you ever get there and a lot of people don't and I think actually we just need to be honest about that because a sustainable career in the arts isn't about only doing the arts it's about finding ways to apply that skill set in other ways sorry to talk shop on this but because I've just started this role at Film Cymru and I'm learning a lot about this organisation and they care an awful lot about building a sustainable film sector and they've got this really incredible program called foot in the door which basically teams up with housing associations and finds people through housing associations and job centers and creates placements for people on films that's amazing it, it is amazing it is amazing but the way that they do that is they go are you a hairdresser are you a painter decorator and they get these people on set doing the the various things and I know it's not the same in theatre but the idea is that you've got painter decorators and you've got hairdressers and woodworkers and you know all of these people that have like real kind of trades and trades are becoming more and more a situation where you're self-employed anyway it's hard it's even hard then but they're kind of going right well now you can work in film so you can work across film and you can work across you know your, your sector that you're already in and actually I think we need to apply more of that thinking in theatre. I was going to say, because you, you just said, well, that's not the case in theatre. Why isn't it the case in theatre? Yeah, well, I haven't... So I'm having these conversations right now because I'm really keen, and it's kind of come off the back of conversations at Film Cymru about how do we get more women in? And we're working on that because we're looking at uh, women that are working across the arts, not just in film, but perhaps novelists or playwrights or, you know, anyone that could be working across that maybe we think, okay, how can we support them into film? What do we need to do? So how we address this issue of gender balance in film while supporting new talent into, into the film sector from other sectors. But if we can do that, then we're building a sustainable career for people in other sectors across the arts and not just in film and literature. I know you've not been in the role for very long, but why do you think there is a gender imbalance? I think it's part of a broader issue. I think it's the same issue that we see all across theatre and other parts of the arts. This can sound incredibly patronising, and I don't mean it to be patronising, and I don't mean to simplify the issue, but I think that confidence is quite a big issue. If you, like, look at 
how many women that kind of go through R&D processes in theatre and how many of those women actually get commissioned and how many of the plays actually get picked up and produced. It's very, very low in theatre. And you tend to sort of see this thing where it's like if a woman goes into development with an idea and she starts working on the script, how many bloody rounds of development do they have to do it does erode confidence of people but i think that that happens because of unconscious bias towards men we tend to platform men more than we do women i mean what is the answer to that question i i couldn't give you like (laughs) a definitive answer and you know i guess if i could then there wouldn't be this problem in the first place but i actually think the work is being done by lots of different people i think about unifying it what we don't seem to have is like a singular drive everyone's kind of so wanting to facilitate the change that they just go right we're just going to do it then and I don't think that's a bad thing I don't think that's a bad thing I feel like uh, Wales is at this kind of bubbling point where it's all happening just below the surface at some point it is going to boil over I kind of feel like I've heard that term bubbling over Mm. a lot it's not bubbling over. No, I agree with you. I don't know what what will. And I think that that's the frustrating thing about Wales. Because we've had some big things happen over the last few years. And has it been enough? So in your, your opinion, what was the last big thing that happened in Wales? Well, there's all of the stuff with NTW, which I think is Well, that's a negative, isn't it? Yeah, this is... Do you think that's as important as the big positives? See, now... That's an interesting question because when I think of big things in Wales, I only think of the negative things, which is sad. I would like to know what the positive things are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But do you think what is happening with NTW and the surrounding <clears throat> issues around it, that in some weird, twisted way, it is a positive thing for Wales? Or do you think it's just shit? No, I think it's, all, I think it's always a positive thing when you reassess your position and try and make it better. They're in a period of change and whatever way you look at it that change is responding to a directive i guess from from the communities that 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 company serves um and i think that that's positive do you feel more taken care of with i mean again i know you've not been there for very long but do you feel like the film industry looks after its employees better than the theater industry does so I think there's a lot of parallels between film and theatre in the sense that it is the people that are on the ground that are making the work that bear the brunt. And that's not a positive parallel. The film industry as a whole, I think, um, suffers with the same issues that theatre does in terms of people feeling isolated and burning out regularly and working hours and pay not being commensurate and not having the support around you from other freelance artists as well it's hard do you think that burnout is a reason that it can never bubble over there's only so long yeah it can be brave and resilient for yeah potentially potentially i mean it is part of the reason why i stepped away from theater do you think it was the other room specifically that burnt you out or do you just think it was the industry as a whole see that's a really tricky question because before the other room i was an actor working with various degrees of success as actors do mostly in television so i didn't even touch theater before i set up the other room and it was the most brilliant amazing thing i've ever done but i did 
do it for two years without being paid at all by the editing and had to freelance at several different places just to kind of get enough money to scrape by and was visiting food banks every week to be able to because Chris was my Chris was my partner and he was in university at the time and you know I did what I had to do and I think that that is wrong and I was constantly having to justify why I should be paying myself all of the time and that was really how often do you see that as other people? All the time. Particularly if you're a producer. Particularly if you're a producer. Um, producers really do bear the burden in a way that perhaps other artists in the industry don't. I've had so many conversations with so many people that kind of came through the other wing that were producing that would kind of sit down and be like, busy, this is really hard. And I'd be like, yeah, I know, I know. And your job as the producer is to hold the space because this is what you do. So whose job is it or whose job should it be to protect a producer? Well, I haven't figured this out yet. And actually, it's the same in um, in film. And I think actually the very fact that I was able to talk to producers or pe- pe- like people that were coming through the other room, so able to sit down and talk to me, I think that that was probably helpful for them. And it was certainly helpful for me. I think it's the responsibility of everyone in the industry to support each other. It's a really sounds very like wanky well I mean it's it's not wanky I mean that's that's expected I mean that's that we should all be responsible for each other and make sure we're all okay but that doesn't really seem to be the case though I think the realities of it are much more difficult than sitting down with a group of people and them going this is a safe space you know it's okay to it's okay not to be okay like I like you know, at the other room, I didn't, I didn't just run the company and have to kind of figure out how to fundraise the money to keep the organisation going and all of that kind of stuff and strategic direction, fighting everybody's corner all the time. I always had to produce the shows. And people saying to me, well, you know, oh, it's really terrible and I know it's really awful and hey, you know, I'm here for you. That wasn't all that helpful. And it's like kindness is important in the industry, but the realities of the situation, when it is your job, I guess, to keep everything moving and moving forwards and bringing everyone together and recruiting all the right people and thinking about all the elements. And ultimately, the buck stops with the producer. Like, that's a very true phrase in so many different ways, which ultimately means if you're dealing with the money, then you, you have to have the hard conversations. And nobody can save you from that. Like, you as the producer just have to do that. So I think that kindness is definitely a given in the industry, and I think we're very good at that. I think what we're less good at is actually finding tangible support in a way that does minimise or mitigate burnout. Can you prevent burnout? Because if it's about being brave and courageous and doing new things, and that's part and parcel of the arts, that comes with hard work. And with hard work comes time and effort. But if it's that hard work and effort that's then making you burnt out, it's always going to happen, isn't it? To kind of go back on myself to almost kind of be contradictory to myself when I said a producer's job is to hold the space. That is correct, but I think we need to get rid of this notion that a producer cannot talk about or cannot be supported. So I understand what you're saying when you're saying that, like, you know, can we ever stop burnout? Because surely it's just going to cycle back round. I think... I don't have the answers to that. If I did, I'd probably still be working at the other room. I mean, just throwing ideas out there, is the answer having working hours? Is it possible to have working hours in the arts? I'm not convinced it is. For people that are making the work, I think that, you know, we enjoy it. 
it's making the, the work. So it is. I think it's. I think it's about personal boundaries. I think it's about understanding your own limits. I think it's about not putting this pressure on ourselves to engage in conversations that perhaps that are that are in theory designed to be supportive but actually just wrench the energy from you so for example for me when me too started happening when you approached to host an event that was about me too that was about platforming women and that particular movement whilst i support it i struggled with it because i have some very personal trauma related to the movement itself and I didn't want to talk about Me Too. And I didn't want to sit in a room where lots of women were talking about that trauma. I felt like I could support it, but not with all of me. And, and I needed some space myself to be able to kind of digest how I felt about it and sort of process it. I think your responsibility as a producer should include the responsibility to yourself and knowing where your limits are and knowing where your line is and being okay with that. I don't know any producer that doesn't go above and beyond. I just don't, like, because there is no dedicated job description when it comes to a producer. And I think it's about us being able to identify what our strengths are professionally, but also personally, and knowing what you can give and what you can't give and protecting ourselves. Do you think you found that boundary as a producer? I had to do a lot of work on myself. So I had a really, um, this sort of period of having to take three months out from the other room due to burnout. That was my kind of big meltdown. (laughs) And during those three months, I found it really hard. I had like uh, horrendous depression and anxiety and, you know, all of these terrible suicidal thoughts and all of this kind of stuff. So I started to explore ways that I could manage those feelings and not everybody is I look back on this horrible breakdown that I had not as something that was awful but actually as an opportunity and not everybody is going to have an opportunity like that but I was able to find some coping mechanisms for myself which were very personal like helped me to very much manage my personal feelings and my personal trauma and that helped me be a better producer I think And I think a lot of people, and not just producers, but I think a lot of artists go through that. And I think a lot of people go and do something different for a while and then come back. Or they, you know, will go, (laughs) a lot of people go into hiding and then they'll come back. Because there's something about the arts that draws us back in. Um, You mentioned that a lot of your coping mechanisms were very personal to you. But are there any that you're happy to share? Like, what helped? I do yoga every day. That helps me. A lot. I just give myself anywhere between 20 minutes to an hour every morning where I get on a yoga mat and I stretch it out. And I found it really hard in the beginning. And I have, it's a bit like being in the arts actually, yoga for me, because I do it for a while and then I'll get away from it and then I'll come back again. But I always come back to it. And the other thing that I do is um, I'm very careful about what I eat. So my diet Again, to varying degrees of success and, you know, I'll move away from it and I'll come back to it. But yeah, just things like sugar and dairy and alcohol, any kind of grains, wheat, stuff like that, I'll just cut out every so often. And it's like a fog lifts and uh, I can think clearly again. You mentioned earlier about the Young Artist Festival and how you were giving the wrong advice. Like, what's the right advice now that you're 
out of it and you have more clarity on the situation, I guess. What advice would you give? Yeah, so I think it's about sort of saying to people, you know, when it comes to a sustainable career in the arts, you need to sort of broaden your thinking because sustainable career doesn't mean doing one thing. A job in the arts, a creative job, is a journey. It's not a destination. So you're going to go from place to place and you're going to kind of move around. You're never going to end up in one fixed point and go right that's it I've made it now I went from being an actor to an arts fundraiser to a producer slash executive director and now I'm an executive producer in film so I might well end up in like music yeah and I did you know I worked for an orchestra for a while so you know it's like I, I think that that's we need to keep a fluid mindset so I think that that would be that would be the correct advice for people coming to a Young Artist Festival now, rather than going, hey, it will all work out, all you need to do is just like, you know, keep working in that bar, or, you know, like, it's not, it's not about piecemeal, it's about, it's about changing the way that you are looking at it. Sustainability doesn't mean doing one thing, the same thing, over and over again. It means taking the skill set that you've got that makes you good at that one thing and being able to apply it elsewhere and spotting those opportunities. You said you stepped away from theatre. Is that as an audience member as well? No, but I haven't been for a long time. Then my, my question is, as an audience member, what would you like to see on our stages in the future? Ooh, that's a, that's a, that's a hard question to answer. I love small-scale work. Walrus Theatre, Lan, Burnt Lemon, Poltergeist Theatre. These are not Welsh companies, granted, but the kind of scale of stuff that they do. Barrel Organ do some great, great work as well. And I'd love to see more of that because I think that that had just packs such a punch, that kind of work. What do you think of the fringe scene? I think it's growing. But I haven't been able to engage with it for a while, which sounds nuts. Because <laughs> I've only been out of the other room for the last two months. I'm actually looking forward now, I'm away from theatre, to reconnecting with it because I haven't been for so long. Like I was going to press nights and I was seeing everything at the other room and catching R&Ds and stuff like that where I could. But there wasn't a lot of space to enjoy it. I was finding it hard to sit down and watch something without assessing it on a production level or (laughs) kind of ridiculous things and it's unfortunate that I feel like the fringe scene now and the fringe companies that are coming through they're becoming more and more prolific and they're making more and more work and I feel like they're finally getting some support from other venues I won't name but um, you know they're finally getting support from established venues and places like that that are platforming them in the way that they need to be platformed in order for the work to get better to reach a bar and to grow like this is a longer term process i'm excited by it and i hope to catch more of it and there you have it another episode of critically speaking comes to an end episode six was recorded hosted and edited by me jafar iqbal the podcast has been produced by shane nichols who provided sound support and is the other voice you heard in the episode I'd like to thank Busy for her time, and as always, a massive thanks to all of you for listening. We'd love for you to engage with us on social media. To remind you again, it's critic underscore speak on Twitter, critically.speaking on Instagram, and you can search for the Critically Speaking Facebook page. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of the podcast, so I hope you'll join us again. Until then, thank you, Diolch, and goodbye.